guys it's the Vinny rock podcast uh i'm gonna do my sponsors this way because i tried to do a new system i'm using a zoom uh interview i have actually recorded this one because my buddy lives in in a different state and before i get started on this podcast i'm just gonna let you know uh this is a buddy of mine from ranger battalion his name is charles scott um he has some information that's pretty heavy i thought it fit really well with one of my strange things because um well, to tell you the truth, it's kind of strange, but at the same time, I, I believe it, uh, and I'm going to be looking further into it. So the, the information you're going to get today is a little heavy, so I warn you, uh, it's, it's an interesting speech, it's an interesting piece, and I think you're going to love it. So you guys, make sure uh, you guys check it out um, and understand, like I said, uh, this one could get a little heavy. It could get a little deep, but if you guys are interested in following him, his name is Charles Scott GSM on Twitter at Charles Scott GSM on Twitter, um, and then he'll be able to mention everything else. So, before we get into that, we gotta go to our sponsor. Bum, bum, bum. All right, you guys know Beyond Clothing. That's one of our sponsors. Beyond Clothing is a an elite brand, right? They're an outdoor equipment expeditionary clothing system. So you have a lot of cold weather stuff, and that actually goes hand in hand with the the podcast that we're going to be having today is cold weather gear. They have all kinds of gear for the outdoors, uh, not just cold weather, but everything you can think of for if you're an outdoorsman, if you're a tactical dude, if you're if you like to go out there and do some hiking, camping, and whatnot. I guarantee you'll love their stuff. Go check out Beyond Clothing, uh, beyondclothing.com, beyond.clothing. All right, go check them out on Instagram. Love those guys. Core Medical Group, you already know. Core Medical Group is a TRT, all right? That's that's some some hormone replacement therapy that's there for you guys, especially if you're a veteran, if you have some uh, had any kind of head trauma in your life, if for some reason you got out and you're just not feeling so you anymore. Uh, if you're over 25 and you're like, man, for some reason I can't heal as good, I can't get this weight off, I'm feeling very moody, I'm feeling down. Uh, TRT has been proven to be able to help moods, get you back onto your back onto your normal hormone levels and get yourself feeling right you guys check out core more excuse me core medical group uh check them out on on instagram it's going to be core med hrt you could check them out and you can go to uh their website and, and check them out as well uh core medical group is insane it's core medical grp.com they can ship to you anywhere in the united states of america so check them out Hurrah. That was a marine chant. Uh, Willie Pete's chocolate. Don't forget those guys. Willie Pete's makes chocolate out of his house. You guys already know. I don't have to tell you again. I got hot sauce coming here soon. It's smoky flavor. It's amazing. I can't wait to get let, let you guys get a piece of that. Uh, Metal Force Fits. The only place I get my shakers. I'm trying to get myself back in shape. I finally healed up from my surgery. It's time to start getting down. The only shaker I'll have in my hand is a Metal Force. Metal Force shaker. And I use every time I use the Metal Force shaker with the thin blue line because I support my local law enforcement in, in any law enforcement that is. GMR Gold and the Bullion Box. You guys already know. 
crazy awesome way to save some money and have a good time. My kids love it. I love it. I think it's a fun little thing that I've done, being able to get a new box of gold, new box of silver uh, every month. And the kids get to sit there and enjoy it and check it out. And, and, and we just have some fun. It's a, it's a different approach to having a better relationship with my kids in different ways other than sports. We can talk about gold and silver and the importance of it. And so GMR Gold, you guys check them out, GMRGold.com, as well as GMR Gold on Instagram. Urgh. What else? Let's see. Perseverance Survival, you guys. Everyone keeps commenting on my freaking whoopee. Uh, well, my whoopee hoodie is from Perseverance Survival. Perseverance Survival is Perseverance underscore Survival. You guys go check them out. PerseveranceSurvival.com. You can get your whoopee hoodie. I'm trying to get them to send me this coyote because I need it. I'm commenting right now. Send me this. 3XL. I need room to grow, baby. Yeah. All kinds of cool stuff going on this week, but I hope you guys are excited about this podcast. I'm telling you, it's a little different. It's a it's it's a little different than normal, but uh, I promise you, check it out. The audio might sound a little different because I used the Zoom app, and um, the microphone I was supposed to use broke right before the interview. But either way, there's just insane information. And uh, if you guys like it, please comment and let us know. Let us know the questions you have. I also have the video. I'll probably be uploading on YouTube once I figure out my password. But uh, that's it. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Here it is, the Vinny Rock Podcast. We are now recording. Uh, boom. What's up, Scott? Scott Rock. Dude, here's the crazy thing. The last time, uh, well, one of the cool conversations I remember is us on the side of a, of a hill in Afghanistan pulling security. Remember that conversation. <laughs> and I was talking about like, the things I want to do when I get out. And you're like, you're already thinking about getting out. You just got in. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's yeah. crazy, man. When was that? That was 2000. 2004. Yeah. yeah. That's 2004. And then you, you got out shortly after. Um, and then you went on to do security for a while, right? Wasn't it Gavin DeBecker? Yeah, yeah. So in 2005, I ETSed uh, from Second Rangers. Um, uh, and then I worked a, a private security, a executive protection. We pr- provided security for uh, some of the wealthiest and you know, influential people in, in the world. Yeah. Um, I did that for a couple of years. Um, it really kind of felt hollow eventually because I'm just protecting rich, rich people. Yeah. Uh, it sounded a lot more exciting than it, than it really is. You know? Well, I remember getting out thinking I want to do the same thing. Guys like yeah. us who, who, yep. who live training like that, it, it seems to be the next step. Yep. And I remember having a conversation with you, like it's, I told you, it's a, it's a great place to figure out your next move. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you can stay there and you can retire if you'd like, but it's not a, a place for guys like us. So um, you went from army ranger to personal security. And then from there, you continue to advance in that, in that space, correct? Yeah. Well, we still had friends, uh, you know, still getting hurt overseas and, mm-hmm. you know, still had friends going down. So I figured if not me, who else, you know? So mm-hmm. I, you know, I went back overseas to serve my country, but this time as an independent security contractor. Uh, so I worked for the U.S. government for six years um, as, as an IC, um, protecting um, uh, U.S. Uh, VIPs in hostile uh, uh, combat zones. Right. Uh, so I did that for six years. Um, you know, I was essentially I, I essentially gave my 30s to Afghanistan. Um, so six years I did that, and then 2015 I got hurt. Um, so I was unable to deploy anymore and I kind of had to figure out, well, what am I going to do now? I've got, you know, lifetime experience of, of, you know, head yeah. combat experience. So you know, what's next? 
Yeah, well, that, that's funny because I went through that with only four years' experience, and I was like, "Well, now what? I don't, <laughs> I, yeah. know to, I know how to pull security really well. I know how to kick in doors. I know, how, I know right. all the stuff the Rangers taught me, but I don't have a practical skill outside in, uh, in the civilian world unless I use the leadership side of me." Right? Exactly. So yep. That's kind yep. of what, what took charge. But you said you got injured. Is that something you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, it wasn't anything uh, serious or anything. I, I, I tore my Achilles tendon. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I was a full scholarship distance runner in, in college. I was a, a 409 miler. I've got, you know, dozens of jumps. I've, I've run, run with hundreds of pounds on my back. You know, I've, I've yeah. walked hundreds of miles with thousands of pounds on my back. And I tore my Achilles tendon in a mile and a half, like, PT test. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like, our what the heck was that? Years yeah. of years of just damage, you know, your body gets gets tired eventually and so but, but you know what I did was I tore my Achilles tendon, but this PT test was for for the recall to continue on for the next two years. Every two years we have to do our recalls. So I knew if I didn't finish, I wasn't gonna have a job. Yeah. So I finished the entire PT test, the dummy drag, the run, the entire physical portion of it with a torn Achilles tendon. Jesus. And I made it under time. And I, I did the entire thing like to standard. So I anyone, I mean, that just kind of shows the perseverance of, you know, it, it takes more than the perseverance of an army ranger. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, I, it, people don't understand. It's not just about doing difficult things. It's about the mental attitude and the mind frame to, you know, to, to, to rise above and, and to be better than, you know, to set the example for others to follow. Yeah, it's funny you say that. Like, when you left before I graduated ranger school, but when I graduated ranger school, with uh, I had brachial plexus nerve damage in my right shoulder. My whole arm was dead from just after the rappelling phase of mountains phase. I fell on the first patrol, and uh, the rucksack strap like was really what stopped me from going farther down the hill. And, wow. and it caught me. And when it caught me, I was like, "Damn, that fucking hurt," you know. And then the yeah. next morning, I was like. I feel like I have a fever or something, and I didn't realize my arm was dead. And it stayed dead all the way through the rest of the mountains, all the way to Florida phase. And people are like, why don't you just recycle? I'm like, you're crazy, dude. I'm doing like, this again? Yeah. No. <laughs> I want to go home. What people don't understand is that quitting is more difficult than moving forward. Yeah. You know? I mean, and even to say that, that word, quit, it's like it's not even in my vocabulary. I only yeah. say that word just to say, you know, quitting is more difficult. Yeah. It's, it's not in our vocabulary. It's, it's crazy, you know. A lot of stuff me and you've been talking about offline. Um, last night we had an earthquake here, mm. and I, and I and I was in the the Northridge earthquake back in two thousand. It was back in ninety four, I believe it was, and it was pretty crazy. We didn't have power for seven days. Yeah. We um, we had to figure out how we were going to eat. It was right. about a, a month before we even got back to school. So a lot of crazy things happened at that time, and that was probably my my first experience of trying to survive without being prepared to survive. And it's a quite an eye opener, isn't it? It is. It is. And yeah. it scared me because last night I realized like, oh my God, my family's not prepared for an earthquake. And I, and I've been experienced in an earthquake. So what am I doing wrong as a father? I should have had this prepared already. Cause last night we had two earthquakes within 20 minutes. Right. And, 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 um, I thought like, oh man, if this continues, I'm fucked. I didn't, I'm not ready. Yeah. Then what you have, there's a lot of mouths to feed, to, you know, over there. Yeah, yeah, and so it's crazy because we've been talking about a lot of stuff about survival, and that, and that just kind of, kind of tripped me out that we're having this call today. Either way, right, um, right. So, like after the military, after the uh, after the personal security, what did you get into after that? Uh, so after uh, after I uh, was done contracting, I I opened a small security company down in South Florida. 
um, it's a is a unique business model where we provided uh, vehicle roving patrol securities for apartment communities. Now, you know, security is a next logical business to get into, you know, owning a security business, but I would rather be face down in the dirt than to go out and do sales calls. I mean, right. I, I was terrified. I mean, here I am, a, you know, hardened combat veteran and I was scared to go to a room and talk to, you know, girls about selling my business. You know, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous, but it's something I taught myself how to do. I taught myself how to sell. I, you know, I practice in a territory that was well outside of my own territory, and I just practice and practice and practice and practice until the point where I thoroughly enjoyed going out and you know making these friendships and then selling my business. Yeah, um, and we were we were very successful. Um, it was it's a unique business model, but part of the model was we provided uh, vehicle roving patrols overnight for apartment communities. Yeah. So because we grew so fast and I had such high standards for uh, employee selection. I found myself in the security car overnight uh, for about two years of the three years I owned the business. So I would do my daytime stuff. You know, I would go out and do right. sales calls all day and run the business in the daytime that night. I'd throw my security hat and, you know, I'd go out and patrol, you know, patrol the ghetto and you know, yeah. you know, bad neighborhoods. So it was during that time when I was essentially isolated, you know, alone in, in the car driving around all night long for, you know, anything else but but listen to lectures um so i you know, i've always been fascinated with science uh, fascinated yeah. so i used that time to study really heavy science topics that always interested me like you know you know string theory you know i, I wanted to figure out what string theory was or what is that um string theory is the idea of we're essentially living in multiple there's a multiverse uh -huh. um, it's it, it's about like uh, vibrations, it, it's a really complicated, a complicated theory that we can talk about for different <laughs> podcasts. But it's, it'll it, take it, us into a whole different wormhole. It, it's it's really deep stuff. Um, but I would study stuff like like string theory and you know gravity, you know time dilation. I would you know understanding what theory of relativity was, you know why Einstein was so important. Just what is your education I, level? Um, I graduated college in the year two thousand with a with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Why didn't you ever go to off as an officer? Well, uh, the way Ranch Battalion works is you—it's a volunteer unit. Um, so if I wanted to be a ranger, I I couldn't volunteer to be an officer first and then be a ranger. Yeah, you weren't guaranteed that slot, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's a better way to say it. Is, is officers aren't assigned to a unit. They they're they're transient. They spend a couple of years here, a couple of years there, a couple of years here. So with Ranger Battalion, you can stay in the Rangers for as long as you want, or until you get kicked out. Yeah. If you don't meet the standards, then you're out. So, you know, I, I didn't want to be an officer somewhere else, and then hope to go to Rangers, and then I'd, I'd go somewhere else. I wanted to be a, a full time, you know, door kicker. Nice. Um. So, and I, I had really I had no desire to be an officer. I, I just wanted, you know. I just think I think it's a trip that someone someone you know just with a criminal justice degree is looking up and, and, and learning everything about science, but like at a level that, uh, dude, it blows my mind. Just the words you're saying right now trip me out. Right. Well, I mean, like, like time dilation, right? So if you, if you, if you, the faster you move, right, the faster you travel, the, once you get closer to light speed, you experience time differently than, than everything else, right? It's the theory of relativity. Everything is relative to your perspective. Yeah. So the, if you travel, for example, around a planet that has that has intense gravity when you come back to earth right, you're going to 
experience time differently. So when you come back to Earth, uh, Earth is going to experience you know, you know decades or centuries more time than you experienced, and that's just that's just physics. Yeah, and, and that's, so that's you, can, you essentially can either age slower or faster. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 fascinating stuff, man. It's like so I listen to all these lectures. I mean, for you know hours and hours and hours to till I can fully understand it. So I would listen to this stuff and. I think that time listening to science and digesting all this really heavy information gave me the ability to have the right perspective in order to understand what's happening with our son today. Yeah. Um, and I, I created this, this lecture, it's, it's a two hour lecture, um, you know, a 70 point PowerPoint presentation, 70 page PowerPoint presentation where I explained from, from start to finish. Um, what's actually happening to our son. Well, and this is where our conversation started, right? This is where you reached out to me like, hey, uh, I have some information about, I've been studying something and I want, I would like to just kind of get on your podcast and talk about it. And I was like, yep. okay, what? You know what I mean? Like, right. And never realized the depth of what you were going to expect, what you were going to say. <laughs> right? my, my elevator pitch is tough, dude. Yeah, I, it, tough. Was, it, was, it was heavy. I went home yeah. and I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough man. It's um and it's, so, it's not it's not easy to give this information to people. No, no. I so let me explain real quick to the listeners so I can right. give them kind of a the cliff notes uh heads up to what we're going to talk about here so they can kind of wrap their heads around it. Right. So essentially is we've been told for years that uh, global warming is happening. And so with global warming, all these other issues that people are concerned about, and, you know, and our government's been taking action and all these different political uh, beliefs, left and right, whatever they are, is really about, you know, a lot of these arguments are about global warming. You called me telling me like global warming, global warming is not the thing to worry about. It's actually about, you should be worrying about a, an ice age. Essentially, I'm breaking it down as simple as easy, but a global ice age because the sun has, um, I guess, the sun has um, cycles. And, and, and now that you've studied this, you've identified the cycles, and it looks like we should be preparing for more of, a, of a, an ice age. And that right there alone was like, oh, get the fuck out of here. What are you talking about? And then you're like, hear me out. I'm like, of course, I'm going to listen to you, Scott, because obviously we're Ranger buddies, and, and, and I believe, you know, You've always been a very, very, very normal person. So like, <laughs> and, and, and I say that because people are probably going to listen to like this guy's, you're right. Like the people that don't yeah. want to accept. Um, well, what, what I, what I tell people is this, these aren't my theories. Like nothing I'm putting to putting out is, is my own theory about the sun. Whereas I, I say, I stand on the shoulders of geniuses because this information is being put out by PhDs right, by NASA scientists, by NOAA scientists, by um, IPCC scientists who have been fired because they're putting this information out. So people in the academic community with a lot more education than I do are putting this information out. But I can do it in a way that they cannot. I can explain it to the average person and connect with the average person to, to explain complex science topics that took me three years to develop this understanding. I can explain it in, in a simple, you know, you know, Barney style, you know, this is, no. you know, it's, it's simple, it's simple mathematics. One plus one equals two everywhere you go. And that's the thing, right? It's like, this is all based off of facts and math. 
Correct. Yep, yeah, mathematics is the language of the universe, right? They use mathematics to, to write equations to, to understand the universe. So mathematics does not lie. It cannot lie. So it's through mathematics where they discovered, um, you know, you know w- what's happening. Yeah. And so, like, essentially, you were calling me to say, hey, there's an ice age coming. If everything is correct, if the math is correct, if someone can prove you wrong, then please do. But as yeah. of now, as of now, people are starting to actually listen to what you have to say now. You've actually, you've created a platform for yourself and it's becoming, it's starting to grow. I'm lucky to have you on my podcast, is my opinion, right. because, because it's starting to get so big that you're going to be pulled in many different directions to explain uh, the math behind the concept of, of the Ice Age. That's correct. So I've... I, I've been talking about this for about three years. Uh, when, I first, uh, when I first started looking at the sun, I, had, I was able to digest the information, but I couldn't find the words to truly express from, from start to finish what exactly is happening. So I would tell my friends and family, people with, anyone who would listen, hey, this is what's going on. And I, it was just kind of all over the place. Because the story is so grand, it's such a large scale yeah. that we as humans who only live you know, 80 years, we don't have the perspective or the depth of knowledge to truly stand back far enough and see the wide lens big picture. So uh, when I originally started learning this stuff, I set out to make myself a subject matter expert in an attempt to prove these people wrong. Because I was confident that, you know what, I'm smarter than this person. I'm smarter than that person. Right? The people online who are putting this information out about a grand solar minimum, I thought, there's no way this could be true. How on earth am I hearing about this on YouTube? So let me, let me jump in and let me read everything I possibly can. Let me see the big picture. And I have this ability to, um, I don't want to say I have a photographic memory, but I can retain all this stuff. Yeah. And I can explain it in a way that nobody else can. So in an attempt to debunk it, I've essentially proven it true. Um, and I've, I've created a, a first of the kind, you know, one and only beginner's guide. It's like I said, it's, it's a 70 page PowerPoint presentation. I think all those years of being in Rainier Town has, has, has helped mold that side of you, creating PowerPoints, <laughs> teaching right. it to the lowest level. You know, right. essentially what you're doing is teaching it to the lowest level so right. that everyone can understand. And you called it a grand solar minimum. Correct. Yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's a grand solar minimum. Now, what we're, what we're going into, it wasn't discovered until November 2018, right, last year, where Professor Valentina Zarkova uh, predicted it's not going to be a grand solar minimum. It's going to be a super grand solar minimum, which is the end of the 11,500-year cycle. Now, we're going to talk about that later on, uh, but this is there are cycles within cycles within cycles, and the cycle we're about to end is the largest of the cycles. Yeah, and so and so that's and you're saying that's where you can get the information where people believe we were having uh, a global global warming was actually well, it's part of the cycle. That's a bigger cycle for the sun, so that's why it absolutely. was one. So yeah, absolutely. So, so it's so an explanation for the right the global warming. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So I'm not denying that the planet has been getting hotter, right? There's no doubt about it. Getting hotter, the sun has been active for 40 years. So the sun has been active, you know, producing a lot of sunspots, a lot of heat, a lot of energy. It's measured in watts per meter squared. So we've had high, you know, high is called TSI, total solar irradiance. So for for 40 years now, but what's happening 
is um, the the what's happening is the sun is essentially entering is called a, a hibernation phase, where it's happened in the past and it's happened many times in the past, and there's smaller hibernations, medium hibernations, big hibernations, and we're entering, like I said, one of the biggest hibernation phases. Crazy, great, and so that means obviously less solar energy. Correct. Yep. So. So a minor change in solar activity causes a drastic effect on our planet, a minor change. So, for example, let's look at uh, the 1970s. Um, those of the listeners who are, who, uh, who are old enough to remember that the 1970s, there was an Ice Age scare where you know, the cover of Time magazine and you know, all the scientists and newspapers were talking about uh, you know, a coming Ice Age. And it's, you know, it was everywhere. Well, what was the sun doing in the 70s? So these solar cycles, uh, we number them, and solar cycle 20 was in the 70s. Solar cycle 20 was half as strong as solar cycle 19. 19 was pretty big, 20 was pretty weak. So just a minor change, excuse me, just a minor change in solar activity caused an ice age scare, right, for, for half a decade. So yeah. a, little, a little bit of change caused these, these this, uh, you know, massive winters all over, all over the planet. For example, if you look at the, the, the blizzard of, of Buffalo, New York in 1977, where it, it was catastrophic, right? In the winter of 77, it snowed in Miami, Florida. So we don't have the perspective to truly stand back far enough and to see the big picture. Yeah, well, it's crazy you say that because just recently, what we've had, we had some crazy low numbers in Chicago of cold. I mean, people were dying of, of cold weather injuries out there as well. And then recently, the first time ever, I think they said snowed in Hawaii. Yep. So that those so the signs and symptoms of a grand solar minimum are all around you, if you know what to look for. Now, this this grand solar minimum or super grand solar minimum started in February two thousand fourteen. That was the beginning of our descent into this minimum. Uh, the sun gave us a clue during solar cycle 24. Now we're, we're exiting solar cycle 24 now. So we can talk about what that clue was later, but this process started in 2014. And the sun has been producing less and less sunspots right, every, every single year since then. And the sunspots so, are, are identified as what? So sunspots are observed as dark spots on the sun. Okay, so now sunspots don't control the sun's temperature. Rather, they're an indicator of what the sun is up to, right? They're, they're, they're you know, a measuring stick. So this entire, I'm kind of going over the place here. No, you, you're good. Um, this, this entire journey, this entire scientific process started with the discovery of the very first sunspot around 400 years ago for Western countries. So 400 years ago, the same week we developed a telescope, we looked at the sun, we noticed dark spots on the sun, and scientists began to record these things. Now, for 250 years or so, there was, there was no rhyme or reason why every independent solar researcher just measured these things, recorded them, and stuffed them in a drawer or whatever. So it wasn't until Mr. Schwab came along and put these numbers into a chart. He counted the sunspots. Now, what he identified was there was years when there was a lot of sunspots, and there was years when there was fewer sunspots. And if you map it on a chart, it creates a wave pattern, right? Up and down, up and down, up and down. So what Mr. Schwab identified was the smallest cycle, the 11-year cycle, okay? 
So that's the, the, the smallest cycle in every 11 years, right? The, the sun's North Pole and the South Pole flip, right? Every 11 years, right? Seemingly no effect on, on our planet. And there's a reason why it flips, but that's not really important to the story. So we measure the sun's, we, we, we've been measuring the sunspots this entire time. All right. There's periods of a lot of sunspots, periods of reduced sunspots. Well, the best analogy that I come up with to help explain the significance of a sunspot is think of a, a, pot of, a pot of water on your stove. Okay. You turn the heat up full blast and it uh, becomes you know, a rolling boil, right? It's boiling, it's boiling too much. It gets too hot. And then that water jumps, jumps off of the pot onto your stove. Yeah. So at the point where the water breaks that threshold and leaves, leaves the pot, at that point, well, that's a sunspot, right? So imagine that. It's, it's an active boiling water. It's, it's hot. It's extremely hot. Well, you don't want water on your stove, so you turn the heat down just a little bit enough so it's still rolling, but it's not breaking that surface yet. Yeah. Okay? So a minor change in the water temperature causes water to spill out or not spill out. Okay, so the same principle with the sun. So if the sun is very hot, if the sun's very active, it's producing a lot of these sunspots. And what these sunspots are, they're electromagnetic events. Okay, so there's a, there's a theme of electricity throughout my entire presentation. And electricity is more important than you can possibly imagine to us as a species or to this universe. Right. It, it's, it's, it's far more important. We could talk about that later, but it's not about measuring sunspots. OK, so for 400 years, scientists measure sunspots to identify the patterns. Well, what the sunspots tell us, it's been newly realized, is the sunspots tell us what the sun's magnetic fields are doing. So it's all about the magnetism of the sun. Now, the sun isn't a fission-fusion reaction in, in space. The, the sun is plasma, okay? So plasma is electricity. Remember, electricity is more important than you can possibly imagine in, in, this, in our solar system. So these, these magnetic fields of the sun, all right, there's four of them, all right? So what Dr. Valentina Zarkova did is she's able to separate these magnetic fields in their, in their individual wavelengths. Now, it's the same exact principle of using a prism to separate light into its individual wavelengths, okay? Yeah. So you take, take a prism and you separate light and you can see different colors of the rainbow because the lights operate mm -hmm. on different, different wavelengths. Well, what Valentina Zarkova did was do the same exact thing but with the sun's magnetic fields, okay? And she can go back in time and she can go forward about 400 years, right, using math. Now, before we talk about what the sun's magnetic fields are doing, let me first explain to you why her opinion and why her research is, is, is so uh, relevant. Okay. Um, all right, so Dr. Valentina Zarkova, she's a U Ukrainian mathematician and astronomer. So when, when these solar cycles, right, cycle, I told you we're leaving cycle 24 right now, when these solar cycles are about to start, when, when a new one is about to start, all the plasma physicists, all the solar researchers, right, independent researchers, all the you know, astronomers, mathematicians, they all get together and they have predictions on what, you know, what the solar cycle is going to be. So only two people in the world 
were accurate with describing what Solar Cycle 24 was going to do. It was Valentina Zarkova and John Casey. So every other plasma physicist, solar physicist, every, everybody else was wrong. But why were they wrong? Because everybody else uses CO2 for their, for, for their models. So CO2 is irrelevant. CO2 is trace gas. Right? CO2 represents 0.04% of our atmosphere. It, it's 100% it's, it's irrelevant. CO2 does not lead temperature. CO2 follows temperature by about 800 years. Okay? So Dr. Valentina Zarkova gave a prediction which was 97% accurate about what solar cycle 24 was going to do. So that's like being able to predict the stock market for the next 11 years. Every peak, every trough, ev everything for 97% accuracy, she was able to essentially lay it all out. So that's why her opinion has so much weight. Now, how did she get this opinion? She uses math. Yeah. Logic, right? Pure, simple logic. One plus one equals two on any planet. Everywhere you go, right, it's, it's the same. So why was John Casey right? Okay. Well, John Casey is the NASA scientist who developed the perspective, the right perspective, to see cycles within cycles within cycles within cycles. So he used, it's called RC theory, relational cycle theory, where he used that theory to model what 24 was going to do. So they use pure logic and mathematics. So these two know, or at least they believe they know what the next cycle is going to be. And, and they themselves right. are the same. They're trying to put it out there, but no one's listening. And it's, it's not just those two people. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of scientists who've been putting this out for a long time. But what I'm, what I'm seeing is that they, they talk in a way that people just don't understand, that people can't connect with. I mean, people on their intellectual peers, you know, they, they can connect, but you know, I'm able to understand it because I, I, I've been studying this like a madman for three years. Yeah. Um, but I can explain it to, you know, to my, my friends and my family and my mom, you know, I mean, th that's who I'm trying to target. I'm not trying to target, you know, PhDs. I'm trying to target people to my left and right. Yeah. So, so what she did was, uh, I told you it's about magnetism. Okay, so she was able to separate the sun's four magnetic fields the same way a, a you know prism of light separates light into its into its wavelengths. And what's happening is those four magnetic fields, historically, they've been almost in sync, right? They one goes up, one goes down, one goes up, one goes down. Like you know, it's not an exact lockstep, but but they generally both go up and they generally both go down. All, all four rather, they all four generally together move in the same, the same wavelength, the same pattern, right? Much like an AC current moves, right? Up and down, up and down. Again, electricity. So what's happening with the sun is these, in 2014, the sun gave us a signal. The signal was that these magnetic fields are going out of phase. They're canceling each other out, right? One is going up and the other is going down. So the last time this happened was about 12,000 years ago. So when these magnetic fields grow further and further apart, they're essentially canceling each other out. The same exact principle of a, of a Bose noise cancellation headset, where if you have a frequency or a vibration, and then you mimic that same frequency and vibration, 
that those two vibrations cancel each other out and you don't hear noise. Well, that's what's happening with the sun because everything operates uh, – everything uses electricity. Everything operates on a vibration. So these four magnetic fields are canceling each other out, and that's why we're seeing this extreme crazy weather. And This is just the beginning. This is absolutely the, the very beginning. Um, there's you – know, I, I can explain why each one of these events happened, um, but it's – you know, we're going to expect a whole. We're going to expect to see a whole lot worse. So you think it's? Years. You think it's going to, We're going to keep having these crazy. The places that are normally hot are going to have snow, and, and just crazy winters. Absolutely, um, it's going to get colder and colder and colder. So if people are paying attention, you remember last winter, it lasted about a month longer than it was supposed to, right? It, you yeah. Know, I, most people don't really realize that, but also this winter arrived about a month earlier. Right? Our growth season got a little shorter. And at the end of last winter, once the snow finally melted, well, the ground was so wet and soggy that farmers planted their crops about a month and a half later than they were supposed to. Okay? So we, as a species, allow no, no, uh, no variable in our food production for the variable sun. And the sun is not a constant. We think it's a constant. It's always up there, but our, our memory is so short. We don't have the attention span or the right perspective to truly see what's happening to the sun. So we plant our food in the same place all the time, right, in, in the ground, right, where it, you know, we've been seeing you know, record crop losses all over the world for severe weather. I mean, just look at Australia four days ago. Australia had a week's worth of rain in 10 days. They killed 500,000 cattle. Whoa. Yeah. So, again, it's, this is happening little by little, and then it's going to be all at once. And people aren't going to realize it until you go to the grocery store and you say, where's all the bread? Or how come there's no bananas? You know, I haven't seen an avocado in you know, six months. You know, I mean, where's all the food? So we're going to be priced out of food because it's going to be harder and harder to produce. Let me ask you this. So at the rate of what scientists believe and what you've studied – yeah. Um, how soon? How soon do we have to really start preparing ourselves for this for families? So I'm, I'm very careful not to be a fear monger. Yeah. I, I don't want to be a fear monger. I you know I I, I don't want to do that. But the facts are the facts, and I don't want to sugarcoat anything, because it's it's been my goal since the very beginning is to help as many people as possible just understand what's happening, and the people who it's blow me off. Well, then, that's that's their that's their fate. You know, they're they're not going to see it until it's too late. You know. Yeah. So, so what I've been telling people for for a while now is this winter. Right, this is the winter where those who are paying attention will have the final confirmation. Because when the sun starts to lose power, we don't see effects on Earth immediately. Right. It takes a long time for this for this to happen. Well, this is the winter where we're just past that, I hate to use that word, tipping point, right? Because that's a global warming catchphrase. Right. But we're, we're just at that point where we're starting to see some major unusual weather. Now, like I said, this is the winter where those who are paying attention will have final confirmation, right? Like that polar vortex, right? Like that record snow in Seattle right now, right? Wisconsin broke their one-day cold weather record. Right, fifteen point six inches of snow. I think it was. Yeah. You know the the, the rain and, and cattle loss in Australia. So this is the winter. If you're paying attention, and in two to three years, 
the deaf and the blind will know something's wrong because the evidence will be just, just overwhelming. And when I say evidence, I mean we're going to see food prices increase. Why do you say, de- why do you say deaf, deaf and blind? Because it's going to be overwhelming. Um, it's, going to be, it's going to be overwhelming. Um, you know, in, in 1816, that year was known as the year without a summer. So you know, Benjamin Franklin even wrote about that. So part of understanding this is you have to look at the past. You know, these minimums happened in the past, not, as, not to this depth. But in the um, early 1800s, was, it's called a Dalton minimum. So you can look at history. We can see what was happening around the planet in the early 1800s. Well, there was a year in 1815, sorry, 1816, known as the year without a summer. They had frost on the ground every single day of the year. So again, a, a minor change in solar activity causes drastic effect on our planet. So when I say the deaf and blind are going to know, right, people are going to ask, why the hell is it snowing in July? Right? Why is there still frost on my car in August? You know, how come there's you know half as much food in a grocery store used to be? So it's going to be, you know, it's going to happen little by little by little, and to the point where it's in everyone's face, and then that's that is going to be the um, once mass awareness happens, that is going to be the dangerous time. Yeah, do you think it's going to be a scramble for for? For supplies for food supplies shelter everything and just kind of preparing do yeah. you think you know do you think guys like and i just say elon musk because he's probably been one of the one of the most active guys in creating awesome shit in the past few years right do you think there's scientifically we can do things to help um keep society safe and when it comes to like heating tents or whatnot or i, I don't know maybe different food supply there's things you can do um you know you can you, you can build, uh, a, it's called a root cellar, right? Where you can, you know, learn how to store your food underground, where it, you can keep it fresh throughout the winter. Uh, you can build, it's called solar greenhouses, incorporate earth tubes in your greenhouses. It's the most efficient way to, to, um, to, to keep your food, you know, warm and cold, you know, through, throughout uh, changes in temperature. Um, you know, there's things you can do. I mean, you, you, you can buy rice. I mean, that's cheap. You know, 50 pound bag of rice at Costco is 20 bucks. And you learn how to store it, you know, but there's, there's things you can do and you can look at other countries to see what they're doing because this isn't unique, you know, to just the United States. The Chinese have sunspot records that go back to 28 BC. So they don't share their records with, with anybody else or not to my knowledge. So they, they know what's going on. So if you look at China, well, what's China doing? Okay. Well, China is building these, gigantic these castle hog farms like like hotels they're raising their their their, their, um, their pigs indoors well why because we're gonna have severe weather pretty soon right china's building vacant cities in in angola now i don't mean just little villages i'm talking about 15 foot i'm sorry 15 story uh condominiums with infrastructure right with power with sewage right with you know electricity with i mean shopping malls and like i mean where you can just essentially relocate the population to essentially this piece of land in africa is is worthless well why are they moving there well because it's closer to the equator so china is building railroad tracks all over africa where they can just quickly move their population crazy so that's why motivated crimea Right? They, they needed a seaport. So 
if you once you have the lens of a grand solar minimum, you start to watch the news and see what's happening around the world with other other countries, and everything everything makes sense. Everything comes into focus. Um, so so you as you know the, the the listener, what can you do as as a listener? Well, what I've been telling people for three years is, don't just listen to what I say. Prove me wrong. I mean, please prove me wrong. You know, I, I've been I've been becoming more and more vocal lately. I started a a, a public speaking campaign actually in January, uh, you know, last month, in an attempt to you know I finally have enough you know confidence and finally have enough understanding where I can I can explain this you know easily to a lot of people. So I'm hoping that someone in the audience someone steps up and says, "Well, you're wrong for this giant list of reasons." Great, you know I will gladly eat a giant you know slice of humble pie with a side of crow, you know, and I'll. I'll be embarrassed for the rest of my life. But what I ask people is, are you prepared to be wrong? And that's, that's, that's the point, the point of question, you know, because I, I am prepared to be wrong, but are you? Yeah, crazy. Dude, we're coming down on our time right now. Um, I want to wrap it right here, and then we can jump into another session later. I would love to see what the questions are from some of the listeners so we can yeah. kind of rebuttal that. And then, right. and then kind of keep digging deeper or, or even start digging into more of the pre preparation side, I think is pretty important as well. Okay. Uh, do you want to shoot out my, uh, yeah. my, my website name? Please send it all out. Put anything yeah. you want to promote, um, um, your website, everything, so then people can continue to follow and see what you, see what you have to say. Okay, great. Uh, so my website is uh, supergsminfo.com. Um, I launched the website last month, like I said, in an attempt to um, – create a platform to host my lecture. Uh, you can, you can buy the presentation online on the website. It's 10 bucks. Um, I would rather give it away for free because the information in it needs to be, needs to be spread around. Um, I threw 10 bucks on it because if something is free, then people see it has no value. So if you can't afford $10, just shoot me an email and I'll give it to you. Um, like I said, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, build a nest egg and retire off of a $10 presentation. What I would like to have is, um, you know, speaking engagements. I, I want to talk to large crowds of people. Um, in, in April, I'm being flown to Texas to speak with um, some pretty high level uh, executives, uh, people who are in charge of a, a quite a bit of money. So in roughly less than a month, after really going live with this information, less than a month, I've gained enough traction where people who, who control you know, tremendous amounts of money are flying me to Texas to give them a, a personal presentation to explain exactly what's happening. Now, in, in all of my studying, if you follow the money, right, everything also makes sense. People, people who control money are going to be the first ones to really take notice about what's happening because they, they look at numbers, right? Numbers don't lie. So, they, they, they see, you know, food production going down. They see, you know, you know, they see the trends, right? They can stand back far enough and look at the trends. So that's why other industry leaders are also contacting me saying, hey, I'm getting contacted by this person who's in this industry. Well, it makes sense because that industry controls money. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, I think that's enough to chew on for the day. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, to ruin your, sorry to ruin your day, man. Like I said, it's, it's tough, dude. It's, it's tough to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. But you know what? I think the best thing for like the way we were raised is, is 
better to be prepared. You know what I mean? I'd rather be prepared than, than just get blindsided. So it yeah. gives me the time to start, you know, start looking into it myself, making my own determination. And if I feel yes, the need, then I'm going to start preparing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brother, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. We're gonna we're gonna get this uploaded hopefully today or tomorrow, and then okay. uh, and then we'll see how it all goes. And then uh, any questions, we're gonna start sending them your way. Great, yeah, fire them off. All right, brother, I appreciate all you. Right. Thank all you. Right, brother. Thanks again.